Then when we have a conversation with you halfway through the call about your, your receptacles, they were backstabbed and that's what caused your issue. And the whole house is done that way. Well, now you're thinking to yourself, hey, this could be a problem two weeks from now or three weeks from now. Well, we can solve that problem for you. We can, we can replace all those outlets for you instead of just two. Man, lots of good things happening in our Facebook group this week. Awesome topics. And now we're dropping this awesome podcast. Today, I've got Rod Bailey of Magathy Electric joining me on the podcast here. And what we focus on, the big topic of this episode, is how to upsell without blowing the wholesale. So we've all been out there. We've been out there and met with customers, whether that's for a service call or an actual project-based estimate, which we cover, you know, two perspectives on this. But we reach customers and we get in front of them and they say, look, I don't want your upgraded this and that. I don't want your baloney. I don't want the long-run solution. Just take care of this immediate need. Bid this immediate project. So how do you sell and maximize the ticket value? How do you upsell to that customer without blowing the whole project? That's what Rod Bailey and I talk about largely, along with many other things in this episode here. And he shares his perspective on doing that from a residential service contractor perspective. And I share it from my own experience as more of a project-based contractor where we're actually going out there and bidding on things. So let's jump into it right now. Rod, welcome to the Home Pro Success Show. Oh, thanks for having me on today, Corey. I really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. So let's, let's jump into your business real quick here so everyone knows who we're talking to. You're an electrical contractor. Your company's name is Magathy Electric. You guys are out of the Baltimore area, right? Yes, sir. That's correct. All right. So how much of your business is residential versus commercial? So we are 95% residential service and about 5% commercial. So you guys, it sounds like like most contractors in the residential space, you'll pick up some commercial when it's juicy enough for you. Yeah, exactly. So commercial, you know, we primarily service the commercial service market. So that's where we're at with commercial, just service only. So what are the main things that customers call you for? Let's get an idea of what your customers are asking for and what you're largely doing. Sure. Yeah. So a lot of our calls come in, a customer may have a broken receptacle, need a ceiling fan installed, floodlights. We're getting a lot of demand for ring doorbell systems, nest doorbell systems. We get smoke alarms. So pretty much anything inside the home that could break or fail, they'll call us. So we do full panel replacements and service upgrades. So what's your, I mean, when a customer calls in, you know, call and make a service call like that for one of the services you just mentioned there, what's your average ticket size generally work out to be? Roughly. I mean, we don't need Roughly, to you know, yeah. so, give you the hard line number on that. but Yeah, right now we're up over $800 for an average sale on our ticket. So that's pretty good. So they'll, you know, they'll call you out there to do install a Nest system. And, you know, I'm guessing you guys kind of probably add in a few little services with it, incidentals. Yeah. So along the way, we go out, it may be for the call, maybe for a new doorbell installation and we get out there and while we're there, the customer may have a need for something else. And if they do, we'll provide them some options on what those needs are. And in most cases, they'll elect to move forward with additional work. How often do you guys kind of go on and, you know, get repeat work down the road? You know, are you just mostly selling service calls or are you getting larger projects with that? I mean, I don't want to say larger projects with that, but let's just say that somebody has a service call and then six months later they call you and you maybe do like a switchboard upgrade or something. Yeah. So that that happens relatively often. And right now we have a repeat client base of about 35% of returning customers. So we're really thrilled with that. Our company does very well in the review space. So that also drives a lot of business for us as well. So 
But yeah, I mean, 23 years in business, Corey, and you know, that's really the primary reason why is because we do have a very good repeat customer base. Absolutely. That that 35% repeat customer rate is pretty high there. A lot of, you know, trades businesses don't come anywhere near that and they think that they can't, you know, they think that their business is just this one-off thing and the customers are never going to need them again. I thought the same thing until, you know, several years into GCA. I was like, hey, you know, who gets a screen enclosure but once every 20 years? Well, it turns out people are buying and selling houses and, you know, their new home needs this and that or they got this and they don't like it. Now they want something totally different or their needs change. It's actually been rather eye-opening. It's one of the most eye-opening things about this business is the amount of repeat business that we can. And I think a lot of trades businesses are kind of sitting on a gold mine in terms of their past customer base that is untapped. Yeah, yeah I agree. And I think a lot of customers that... that don't come back. The reason they don't come back is because there's a breach in communication. So most companies do a very good job and they're very effective at customer acquisition. And then they do a pretty good job through the middle of the process, which is the work, completing the work. But once the work's complete and the customer has been acquired, a lot of contractors kind of throw that customer away and spend tons of money on finding another new customer. So yeah. what we've done really well is we've continued that relationship with our customer base over time through different marketing pieces, through email communications, through telephone calls. We just don't write that customer off and say goodbye. So I attribute that to our, our 35% retention rate with, with customers. Yeah, well, you're certainly doing something right there to get that 35% retention rate. Well, let's talk a little bit about the email marketing. I think if you guys have listened to me, you know I'm big into that space at the moment. What kinds of things are you emailing out to these customers? Very basic, nothing, nothing over salesy, just continuing the conversation. So it may be a spring piece reminding them to do their battery replacements, summertime, it could be a communication about the ceiling fan direction, reversing direction. Sometimes it just may be to say, hey, you know, we were thinking of you. We got, you know, this going on. And we'll also just hit them up and let them know we're doing stuff in the community. So it's really, it's, it's more, I utilize email for just the communication, letting them know what we're doing, what we're up to, see if they need anything. It's nothing, you know, we're not, we're not putting out a big sales presentation about, hey, we've got this we're offering today. Yeah. And what do your emails look like? Are you going with, you know, are you spending a lot of time designing them out or are they mostly just text-based? Text-based right now, yeah. Text-based, yeah. That's, that's the same thing I've found too. I, you know, everyone likes to get these fancy newsletters designed and stuff for email. You know, paragraphs and simple, uh, simple images, maybe some little annotations or captions on the images. We fire that stuff off. That seems to work the best. Yeah. And, and the subject line, you know, we'll put a little, a little catchy thing in there or might even just be a subject line message only and, and set that off. And it seems to be pretty effective for us. It keeps us top of mind. Absolutely does keep you top of mind. Yeah. I was going to say, how often are you emailing your customers there? We do it once a quarter. Once a quarter. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So once a quarter, you know, then keeping a, keeping a good retention rate with that. Glad to hear it. Let's kind of shift gears here, kind of going back to your business. Roughly how many people you guys have working for you? How many vans do you have on the road? I'm guessing you guys run vans and not trucks. So we run four vans full time. We have a staff of 10 here at our company and we're 
moving into two more trucks this year. So we'll have a total of six. So growing a little bit this year, that's good to hear. And I can tell, well, the people that are listening to this, but they can't see the background, but Rodney here has a nice background, which has like a TV logo image and it says since 1996 on it. I'm going to go ahead and actually screenshot that right now so we can put that in the show notes. And nice smile, Rodney. Thank you <laughs> for the screenshot. So since 1996, you've been in business, man. You must have been quite young when you started the business. How'd you get started in it? So interestingly enough, Corey, I swore I would never be an electrician. I'm a second generation master electrician. My dad, he was a master electrician, had his own company. And growing up, I swore I would never be an electrician. And summer came along. I was about 16. My dad said, hey, I need some help. You interested? Reluctantly and begrudgingly, I agreed to do it. That summer job turned into another summer job turned into a full-time job when I graduated high school. And he taught me everything I know about the trade. Was an awesome teacher, did a phenomenal job. Would like to think that I'm one of the best electricians out there. The one thing he probably didn't teach me, and, and maybe he didn't know himself, was the business side of it. That's where I had to really do a lot of catch up and learning through the 23 years that I've been in business. So that's that's been probably my biggest challenge was the business side, not the execution of the work. Yeah, it's common to hear that. Let me ask, was there a catalyst? Because obviously you, you stepped aside and did your own thing. Was there a catalyst at a certain point where you're like, you know what, dad, F you, it's time for me to go do my own thing here. Like I, I want to make this money myself or I can do it better and you know make more than you do and subsequently more than you can pay me. Yeah. So kind of the driving force behind that was I was young. I had been married at a very young age, had two small children. I was trying to move into a house and ask for a raise. And he wasn't able to produce that raise I needed for my house I was trying to buy. And I said, well, maybe it's time for me to go out on my own and do my own thing. And in that first year, not only did I make that money I was asking for in a raise, but I, I made double what I would have made with him. So that was my first business. So it was kind of, it was one of those things that it was a good thing. But at the time, I, I didn't see it that way. You know, I was, I, I carried a lot of resentment and animosity towards that decision that he made. But, you know, looking back on it now. Oh, so, so he cut you out. Well, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't give me the raise. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So yeah, so you, you wanted a raise. You're saying pops here, you know, I'm, I'm bringing you some serious money. I'm a loyal, great employee. You're not going to find better. I need a raise. And you're, he's like, yeah, no, basically no. And you're like, well, you know, to hell with this. I'm going to go off and uh, do my own thing. And, and that's how it started, <laughs> weirdly enough. And I haven't looked back since then. So, you know, in that 23 year time period, though, Corey, I'll tell you, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I've learned a lot of lessons along the way, and I wouldn't recommend that that course of action to anyone. It, it was a rough road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I say this all the time too. I don't know how my company, Gulf Coast Aluminum, has became you know what it is at this point. Looking back, if a 22 year old guy came to me and said, "Hey, I'm going to start a screen enclosure company, and this is how I'm going to do it," I'd be like, "You are an idiot. You're going to fail. Like that is not going to go well." But somehow, you know, somehow, you know, crossed the rocky road and pulled it off a lot of consistency and persistence there and made it all happen. But being in business 23 years, you kind of had to go through one of the darkest times in, in a trades business, I guess, in history. The housing crisis of 2008, the economic collapse and downfall there. What was that like? If I heard your question correctly, you were asking me about 2008 and, and what that looked like for me as a company. Yeah, 2009. Correct? Yeah. 
Yeah, so that was a, that was a very difficult time period for me. I pretty much had to take on whatever I could to make ends meet. So I did anything from shoveling snow to hauling trash to whatever it took. We we really scaled back the company. We kind of had to reset. So and that, and that's what I had to do. So we've been in since that period of time. We've been rebuilding and regrowing the company again for probably thirteenth time since we've. <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been great. I learned a lot through that process, you know, about who I am as a person and a character. And it was good. In, yeah. In a bad way, it was good because it. I learned. In a, in a bad way, it was good. I mean, it forced you to kind of learn a few new things. And, you know, for the strong that survived it, well, we've all seen the market for the last seven or eight years at this point. It's been very lucrative for all of us. So, so that brings us up to where we are now, 2019. And let's say... I'm calling Magathy Electric. I need you guys to come out here because I've got a few electrical outlets that don't work in my house. But what are you guys going to do? I mean, because if you just come out and fix those, I don't know how much that's going to cost. How much is that going to cost me, by the way? Let's start there. (laughs) So a typical service call for us, for something like you just asked about, it could be two and 400 bucks to come out. Okay, so two two and $400. But I mean, that's hardly going to cover your cost for getting a guy out here. You're going to make 50 bucks on that. If that, right? Yeah. How, let's talk about it. How are you going to upsell me without totally blowing me off or not blowing me off, but blowing any future hope at a relationship and future sale? So first and foremost, that's a great question, Corey. First and foremost, when we get out to your home to provide service to you, you know, we want to build rapport with you. We want to, we want to learn a little bit about you. We want to tell you a little bit about us so you know more about us. We're going to share some information with you. We're going to explore the issues you're having with your outlets. Upon completion of that explore, we'll get together some good notes. We'll ask you some good solid questions about what your expectations are for the visit. Once we establish all that, we'll provide some options. So in most cases, it's going to be three options for that particular repair and how we can solve that from a very basic option of just fix those two outlets to a more premium option, which would include, you know, going through the whole home and replacing, say, all the outlets and switches. So it's really going to be predicated on that explore and the relationship that we're building with you. But we want to serve first. So, you know, our first goal is to fix what the immediate problem is, which is your two outlets, right? That's first and foremost. We're not, we're not even going to go into any, any other dialogue until we get a commitment on that. So once that commitment's been made and we can go ahead and proceed with some type of work that day, while we're there, we're going to continue to build that relationship with you along the service call visit. Now, I got to ask, let me just kind of intervene real quick. Do you do any of those? I know there's some programs out there. We don't use them in my business because we're, well, we operate a little bit differently than you guys do. But do you use any of those programs where it like sends, uh, you know, sends an email with like a tech picture and bio before you show up? So we use Service Titan, which is okay. one of the big players in the marketplace. So that happens, you know, if you, if you want to go from beginning kind of soup to nuts, we, we send out that email notification with a photograph and a small bio of the electrician coming to serve you. Dispatch calls to let you know they're on the way. The electrician then calls again to let you know, hey, I'm heading out to you. Once all the communication's been established, we, we make it to the home. We meet the customer. We build rapport with the customer. And that's when that whole relationship begins with the technician and the customer. So we really encourage them to, to build those relationships and forge them with the customer. Because the biggest compliment we can receive on our end 
is that customer calls back and asks for Timmy, the electrician that was out last time, right? Then I know he did a phenomenal job of serving that client when he was out there. So that's our number one priority. All right. So going on, we kind of took a step back there. But anyways, you know, you go through everything with me, you present me with some options, you know, from just basically figure, well, actually, you present me with some options and you, you know, say, hey, we're going to fix your immediate needs and get that underway. Now, where are you going in your process, you know, to really kind of maximize the amount of, you know, revenue you can pull in from a service call there? Yeah, great question. So we would, at that point, we would begin work and figuring out and establish what happened with your outlets, right? We're going to invite you to come with us while we're, while we're doing that work. Hey, Corey, why don't you come along with us while we're doing this? Because if anything, you know, if I can show you what's going on here firsthand and I can explain to you the issues that you're having, you have a much better understanding of what's going on. With your electric I agree. today. Yeah, and it doesn't just seem like some smoke and mirrors at that point. No. So you're with me, you're, you're, you're looking and you're like, holy cow, I see, you know, that makes sense. Now I understand why. Then when we have a conversation with you halfway through the call about your, your receptacles, they were backstabbed and that's what caused your issue. And the whole house is done that way. Well, now you're thinking to yourself, hey, this could be a problem two weeks from now or three weeks from now. Well, we can solve that problem for you. We can, we can replace all those outlets for you instead of just two while we're here today. We can bundle that in and we can get it all taken care of. Or if you want, we can just do one, the one circuit today, the circuit you had a problem with. So we're giving them them options along the way. Or we may go through and they may have an outdated panel box in their home. You know, we're giving them good, solid options on that. We're going to educate them first and foremost on what they have and let them make the decision on what they want to do with it. They can choose to, you know, replace it, upgrade it, or do nothing. But at least at that point, we've done a phenomenal job of educating you, the consumer, on your electrical system and where what state it's at. So, and my guys do a phenomenal job of that. So instead of selling, we're we're educating. I don't I don't like my guys going in trying to upsell and do this and do that. It's not what we do. And a lot of times, Corey, we, we, we may leave the home with what we were there to fix. And I'm perfectly fine with that because that customer knows we serve them at a high level and they'll call us back if they need something else in the future. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, there's a lot that you said there, so I don't know if we'll be able to go back and touch on all of it. But one thing is, you know, first, you know, when you get there, you obviously say, all right, you, well, you get the customer essentially committed to what is just the basic minor, fi- or not, I don't want to say the minor fix, but the necessary fix. And then after that, you go through and as you're in the process of fixing it or going through and diagnosing what actually caused the problem, you're you know, saying, hey, customer, follow me, look over my shoulder while we diagnose and figure out what caused the problem. Now here, let's fix this so that you don't have this happening all around your home. That, that sounds like you know, the main gist of it there. And I really like what's going on there. I think we'll come back in a second to kind of how I do that in my own company, which is a little bit different than you guys. You guys kind of do it on like a compressed basis, whereas you know, we've got more of a sales process. We're more in line with a remodeling contractor. So we'll come back to that. But let's just say that you only do the basic service or the only only the necessary service up front there. Do you guys have any kind of process going on behind the scenes to follow up and subsequently sell these service? Let's hear it, man. Tell us about it. Yeah. So the great thing about Service Titan and that platform is it gives us the ability to go back through the ticket and see exactly what 
the service experts saw at the home that day, what recommendations were made, what the customer chose to do or not to do. And then that gives us an opportunity here at the office to follow back up with them and touch base with them. Hey, you know, hey, Corey, I noticed that while Timmy was out at your house yesterday, he recommended a whole home redevice of your home. At what point do you think you'd like to get that taken care of? Do you have any interest in that? So we're exploring, having a conversation with them about the findings of the service expert while he was in the home. And nine times out of 10, a good conversation from dispatch with the homeowner, having that dialogue and exploring that conversation will usually result in additional work. Maybe not the whole home redevice, but maybe a a circuit redevice. Yeah. Or, hey, I've got a separate, separate other issue that I need solved right now. I'm not ready to you know, address the root cause of the problem, but I do have something else because I need that fixed so I can sell it or something like that. Yeah. How often after the service appointment do you guys start making this calls? And it sounds like you're doing this primarily as a phone call and not as like an email or Facebook ad or anything like that. Yeah. It's a phone call follow-up. And sometimes that can be tricky getting a hold of the customer again, but it's got to be in a persistent way. You got to stay on it and follow up with them. But first and foremost, Corey, once the call is done, we follow up with them with a happy call and touch base with them. Hey, Mr. Jones, how did everything go today? You know, did Timmy do a great job? Did he explain everything to you? Did you have any questions about the service? So it starts with that. Those calls are real strong. What you're describing there is, or what you called the happy call. I know a lot of people are kind of afraid to make those phone calls, but if you're afraid to make those phone calls, you really got to look at your process and the people that you got on your team. There was a time when I was afraid to make those phone calls. Now we like it. And it, I think it really shows to the customer that, hey, we actually care about you. We're not just out there to complete your service, get a check and be done with you. You know, having somebody from the office call back and say, hey, was everything good out there? Just want to make sure you're happy is incredibly powerful. If you're not doing it, it's one of those things that I think you should do right now. And you know what? It's not going to cost you a dollar more to do. No. And and a lot of times, Corey, that does, if, you, if there is a problem with the customer or, you know, they have any issues with the company, it's revealed in that call. Before it's revealed they, right there. Yeah, before they go online and, and, and maybe write a review that you've got to go back and, and handle. So it's a really good opportunity to have that conversation right after the work is done with the customer. But it also is one more touch point with the customer, building that exactly. relationship with them, which is really important. And I think we've done a really good job here at our company with that over the, over the years, building them relationships. Whatever you can do to continue that open communication with the customer is huge. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you anymore on that. So how long after the service call will you start going back and making another attempt to fix or sell the additional service recommendations? Are we talking two weeks after I'm completed, a month? Where do you guys fall in line on that? Or what, what have you found that works best? One week is, is what we... One week? Yeah, we'll follow up with that customer within one week. After that happy call has been made... We'll look at the tickets and if there's anything that looks like it should be done or, or we really feel strongly about, we'll, we'll let them know what our thoughts are on it and share our, our concerns with what wasn't done. And sometimes that does happen. And sometimes it's just recommendations for upgrades. You know, It's not always things that need to be done. Now, is it just one call or do you guys, will you guys keep going through you know, a sequence or over time persistently calling on those? We follow up with three calls to the three customer. calls. Yeah. So 
first calls at one week and then how far out strung along are the second and third calls? And then beyond that, after that first one week, then we'll hit them at a two week interval and then a four week interval. And then after that four week interval, if we don't have anything or we don't reach them, then they just go through the drip campaign with emails and, and the other, we do postcards, postcard mail outs and, and that's where they'll end up there. Good stuff. Good stuff there. Yeah. So two big takeaways, A, the happy call, B, following up, you know, so documenting your service recommendations, essentially, you know, educating the consumer, making those service recommendations, documenting them, and then subsequently following up on them as Rodney's doing there one week, three week, and then what is essentially seven week, or am I doing, are you doing one week, two week, four week? Four week. Yeah. One week, two week, four week. Okay. Week one, week two, week four. Okay. So that's how you're doing them. So uh, trying to get them pretty quick there while they're kind of fresh and warm and just remembered what was hopefully an awesome experience. And I think if you're making that happy call, I like that name. I've never heard, never heard to it, never heard it referred to as that. Sounds like yeah, are you, you'll be doing pretty good, I guess is what I'm saying. If you're getting good feedback on those happy calls, the next three calls that you're going to make are going to be pretty well received. On that note, let's just kind of jump back to something I mentioned here. We'll kind of shift into a different business model. So I think there's a lot of remodeling contractors out there where they go out there and do sales calls, essentially, do an estimate and don't want to come off as a hard upseller at the same time. And what we do is basically the same thing as what Rodney described, whereas, hey, let's just quote you to fix your immediate issues. And uh, well, we expand it out over time because we don't have a service tech going out to do this. So what do you want? What do you need? We'll present you the options. You pick. You tell me, you know, you don't want the premium materials. You just want this fixed in the short term, in the interim. Boom. And at that point, okay, here's, you know, here's our service agreement. Let's get this scheduled, make a deposit, make a sale. We don't want to scare people off by saying, oh, we'd really suggest that you'd go with this or let's change the scope of work and you can go with that and that. And then, it, you know, the whole project goes back out to bid and we essentially lose it at that point or it goes back out to bid and other bidders come in and now you get, you know, you get some distance between you and the customer at that point. We just focus on solving what the customer needs and what the customer wants. You know, we'll educate them on the benefits of going with additional services or incidental services, additional materials, upgrade, et cetera at that point. And then we'll let the customer decide. We won't make any attempt at upselling at that point. But what we will do is after we've actually got a commitment, just as they do there at McAfee, after we've got a commitment for handling the necessity, and at this point, you know, the sticker shock has kind of been worn off if there was any sticker shock, we'll make an effort to, you know, either increase the value of the project through selling incidental services or upgraded materials. And we'll do it in the form of two customer service oriented phone calls. So when it gets handed over to our operations manager after it's sold, we'll have our operations manager call, introduce himself. And then at that point, he can also say, hey, you know, on this project, you might also want to consider going with this upgraded material because blah, 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 blah. And then we'll hear what the customer has to say on it. It's not a very hard sell attempt, but we do suggest it. And a lot of customers go with it there. And then we'll also do what's called a scheduling confirmation call the day before. We have someone in our office call and say, hey, just let you know, you guys are on the calendar for tomorrow. We're going to be out there. And you know, at this point, it can be kind of hard to change the materials. Fortunately, in my trade, we're working with very standardized materials that we keep in inventory. So we can say, you know, you might want to consider going with this upgraded material. By this point, they've already heard of it two times, once from the salesperson, next from the operations manager, you know, and at that point they can have a dialogue with the CSR or scheduling dispatch manager that's making that phone call. And 
sometimes they'll consider it, sometimes they'll entertain it, but we do get a pretty high rate, above 30% will increase the value of the project between those two phone calls. And it's essentially what they're doing there at McAfee Electric, just on a different schedule. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. So, so that's what we got in that, in that term. Let's talk a little bit different here, advertising. Where are you getting these customers from? Well, I know from the pre-talk, you mentioned Google Ads. So tell us more about that. Sure. So where we get the lion's share of our business is through Google, PPC, mm-hmm. the LSAs, and that's, that's pay-per-click through Google, the local search ads. Then we utilize Yelp. We do paid ads on Yelp. Right now, we're almost a five-star rating on Yelp. We do phenomenal on Yelp. I know a lot of people don't do so well with Yelp, but we do very yeah. well on Yelp. So you, you guys are crushing it on Yelp. We are. We, we do. Very That's interesting, well. man, because so many contractors out there just bash, bash, bash on Yelp. They, they do, yeah. Yeah, but we do well. You guys are doing well on Yelp and you guys are doing paid ads on Yelp, right? This isn't just the regular freebie thing that everybody's on. No, yeah, we do the paid ads and... It's got one of actually, it's got one of our higher rate of returns for a platform. So we do very well. with. So I'm not very familiar with Yelp as a paid advertising source. How does it work? Are they charging you guys per lead or are they just charging you for exposure? So it's exposure. It used to be they did do a per lead or, or per click, then they changed it. So they now are doing per exposure. So that's how they're doing it. So so pay per exposure. So like pay per 1000 views or something. Exactly. So yeah. how many times your ad is, is placed. And how much are you guys spending on there a month, roughly? So right now we're, we're at 850 a month. 850 bucks a month. That's pretty, that's pretty healthy. And roughly how many leads will that pull you guys in? So I'll, I'll give you the sales on that. We're averaging roughly 10 to $15,000 in sales a month from, from Yelp. That's not bad at all. Not bad at all. Do you notice any difference between the customers that find you on Yelp and the ones that come from, well, referrals, repeat business, other advertising sources, et cetera? Because a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I don't want the Yelp customers. Uh, well, it's interesting you say that. I haven't seen any negative impact from the Yelp customers. In fact, I think they've, they've been some really, really good customers for us over the years. It's not like the, it's completely different than HomeAdvisor. It's not the same, in my opinion at least my experience that, that I can speak to. It's a different customer. So, and I don't know if that's also because we do have very good ratings on the platform. So when people do seek us out on there, they're, they're seeing that we're a highly rated company. And maybe that when they do call us, they know they're calling a high quality company that they're not have any issues with. So we have a very high conversion rate on, on that platform. Right on. It sounds like this all ties back into you guys taking care of the customers. The happy call, I know a lot of trades businesses don't do that because they're afraid of the responses they're going to get. If you're doing that call, you're already a step ahead because you're making sure all the customers are happy. And at the end of the day, if you're making all the customers happy, no matter where they come from or where they're going to leave reviews, guess what? They're going to leave good reviews, you know, so you don't have anything to be afraid of there. Yeah. So if anyone, you know, takes a minute and they look my company up online, you'll see that we're we're 4.9 on Google we're you know almost a five star rating on Yelp. Angie's List and Home Advisor we're over four point eight. So everywhere you look, uh, Facebook we're almost five star rated there. We're, we're we're highly rated across all these different platforms. In fact, we we have the highest rating in Anne Arundel County for electricians. So awesome stuff. Yeah, that's I mean the best free advertising you can get is getting your clients to leave reviews out there online. Google Local is really taking off with all the reviews and the exposure that it gets you. If you're not already building reviews, 
you know, get, get your customers building reviews, really hound them for it and, uh, you know, implement an automated review building system, pay your guys for reviews that mention their names, all that stuff. No matter what you have to pay for it, you're going to get, you're going to get your money back 20 fold on it. Easily. Yeah. It's, it's a huge return Also, for, you know, when you, when you're a highly rated company that helps lower the bar. So when the guys are in the home, they, they know that they're dealing with a high quality company right out of the gate. Exactly. You know, they, they know that. And, and, and that also helps us with conversion at the company. You know, we have a very high conversion rate, our guys do. And that's why, because they do a phenomenal job of serving the customer first throughout that process. And then, you know, on the back end of that, we have Service Titan sending that communication to the customer for that review, you know, and, and triggering that so that they can go to a review site and, and write a review about their experience with us. So that's been really beneficial. That was going to be my next question. What are you doing to get the review? So we'll talk about that real quick before we wind down here. We're reaching our time limit. So Service Titan is sending them out, sending out something to get a review. Are they doing it email, text message? How many of them are they doing? So just one, and, and they'll send text and email to the client. That's aggregated through POSM, which is directly linked to Service Titan. So they'll handle all the review, that review platform part of it, but it's, it's triggered through Service Titan. So once okay. they so, get those links, they'll have an opportunity to go to either Google or Better Business Bureau or Facebook to review us. Okay, and it'll send out service tight when I'm guessing when the job is marked complete or whatever service call service Titan calls it. Essentially, when the job is completed, that triggers send or pulse M to send out a text message and then an email. And then that basically says, hey, how would you like to rate us? And I, you know, I know most of the programs in that space say, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down type of thing. And some, they don't exactly, they might not do exactly that, but they've got some little filter question in there, you know, and if it's a negative, it funnels it back to internal feedback and they indicate positive it sends them on to google facebook Bing, yelp wherever you want to send them exactly yeah Corey, yeah you know, so. it, the, the great thing about that is you know if the happy call doesn't catch it if they do go write the review and maybe they weren't completely satisfied we see that immediately in real time and and then we have an opportunity to call the customer back and see where we came up short as a company you know do we how did we let you down and, and it gives us an opportunity to course correct and make it right by them. And that's what we want to have happen ultimately. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, you know, it's a basic formula for success. If you're making the customers happy, making the customers happy and keeping your margins healthy, you can't lose at that. So that's all good stuff. On that note, it's basically time for us to wind this down. So Rod Bailey, thanks for joining us on the Home Pro Success Show. If anybody wants to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing it? They can hit me up on Facebook. It's Rodney Bailey on Facebook. You can search that and you can see me there or you can hit me on, on our website. It would be www.magatheelectric.com. Awesome. Sounds good. Good stuff. Thanks for joining me today, man. Corey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You've reached the end of another episode of the Home Pro Success Podcast. Connect with us and join our collaborative Facebook group at homeprosuccess.com.